Joshua Michael, this is my best friend in the whole world, Mr. Colin, over there in the Tulsa. Actually, you're in OKC right I'm now. not in Tulsa. I'm your best friend. Yeah, you I'm are. in Oklahoma City right now. I'm in this hotel, probably with crap internet. It's making our lives difficult. We tried to record a whole show the other day, and uh, our files were corrupted. It's so miserable to think that about that time, but simultaneously, like... There's no reason why we can't go back and try it again. We're going to have to. Yeah, you were half asleep for it anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> oh, man, it was bad. That was a rough week. I was making a bunch of mistakes about what time I was supposed to be waking up for work. And then uh, I just told my son on the phone uh, a little bit ago, I was like, man, look, I couldn't make it because we went long on Friday. I was going to get up and or I was going to leave and go right to, right home. And then I'd see on the weekend and stuff, and I couldn't do it. And it wasn't the it wasn't that we worked late. It was that I'd been getting up so early, and we went late that day, and I was dead. I had to get a Red Bull just to drive home. <laughs> oh, dude, that sucks. Yeah. The, yeah, when you need it in those desperate moments, you're you're barely hanging on, and even those things barely oh, work. I was ragged. I got back back to the hotel, and I crashed. Um. I don't remember anything about that night. Fatigue messes with me bad, and people just don't seem to understand it. That's nah, all right. We'll figure it yeah. out. Yeah. But yeah. You know, everybody's like, do some coke. Oh, Jesus it. Christ. Not, not getting into that crap. Uh, no, 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 no. I've done some stupid shit in my life, but uh, yeah, that is not a habit that uh, I, I, don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand it, but whatever. Years and years ago, I was hanging out with some dudes that I was when I was in college. And we were talking about the possibility of doing some coke, and I was, I was like, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe, maybe not, probably not. And they were like, No, only depressants for you, man. Which is funny because I'm so chill now. Yeah. <laughs> what What it's always scared me away from it was a story that, and it's not the same drug, but a story my uh, friend Bonnie told me back in the day. Uh, she was, uh, I don't know how we got on the subject. It was a long time ago, but it stuck with me. She was like, Yeah, I was staying. I was had a couple of different roommates. And one of our buddies that went out to go get us some weed uh, came home and was like, listen, I got what we wanted, but I got a little extra something because he needed to get rid of it. And he threw a bag of heroin on the table. <laughs> and she said, oh, my God. And she said they all stared at it for five minutes in complete silence until someone said, how are we going to do this? And I'm like, OK. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. No, I'm not into that at all. <laughs> I was like, no, no. Uh, I was like, so anything white powder or, or powdery? No, thank you. No, yeah. just uh, I like oh. whiskey. I like whiskey and cigarettes. I prefer my women to taste Ooh. that way too. This is something I shouldn't have told my mom. She was so. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about the first uh, uh, goth girl I ever made out with, and that was that was in high school, and that was uh, that was what it what what it was like. That was the taste. Cigarettes mainly. 
clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the the goth dude at the liquor store, he was he always goes to the Zodiac here and uh I was like, Listen man, I know you really like them goth girls. He's like, Yep. And I was like, uh, those girls aren't meant to be kept until they're about thirty. <laughs> and he's like what does that mean and i was like listen you can either listen to me or have a lot of fun and a lot of crazy nights <laughs> no but it was ah mm, goth girls Mm-mm-mm. i still haven't I mean learned it's one of those things where eventually we all have major major responsibilities and because of that everybody can be tamped down a little bit and uh, be operable in all forms of society, despite how antisocial you might want to be, uh, you'll get there. Mm. Well, yeah, man. well, it was a great weekend of wrestling. Uh, Colorado Springs Wrestling had an amazing show. I'm going to talk about it uh, tomorrow. I've got an interview with Big Guns coming up, which is actually probably going to come out before this one comes out, actually. actually so go ahead and check out yesterday's uh, Indie Wrestling Report. Meeting up with him over at the uh, local comic book uh uh, Hovel, and then we're gonna go over to the better comic book store. <laughs> he likes the one. He likes the one that like no one ever knows exists here in 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 the springs. And when you do go, it's that one I told you about that smells because it was by that dog that um uh dog grooming place. <laughs> like, oh yeah, the one the one we right? the one you have to wash your hands out of uh, when you when you leave, but it's still a cool store. <laughs> Uh, so he wants to meet there, and I was like, "Cool!" And then we're gonna go to Muse and get like, cause I'm gonna do some uh, infield reporting on that one. He actually, no, uh, oh, I'll bring that up later. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we've got some. Uh, we've got last week's, a uh, couple of last week's comics, and all of the best ones from this week that we liked. Um, we had a special, uh, special guest last week, Mr. Andy Belanger, comic book artist extraordinaire, and also indie wrestler. So he was our show for last week, and we're just making it up today with a couple from last week if you missed that we really dig and a few from this week so let's get into it well last week you know you know what we're saying because we're recording this so you can catch everything that you might have missed and hopefully it's still on the shelves for real what do you want to do yeah sundays are rough i was gonna go go uh see if i could check out a store yesterday and everything was closed i'm not saying everything but sundays are tough in uh oklahoma trying to trying to go get like go get books at a place you haven't been in a long long time you know mm-hmm. mm. let's start out with anyway. let's start out with some uh oh we gotta let you guys know what we're reading okay daredevil number 13 oh, yeah, history of the marvel comics universe number five yonder number one morbius number one fallen angels number one x-men number two dark multiverse number one blackest night batman number 82 city of bane wrapping it up with a great cliffhanger uh, Amazing Spider-Man number three kicking off to 2099, and Colin saw Midway, and if you guys know anything about our show, we love our history, so we're going to get into a little bit of that, but I want to... Dude, wanna... yeah, will you start with the X-Men book? Oh, you want to do X-Men first? Oh, yeah, sure. I really want to hear about that. Yeah, I, I did not pick it up, and I'm like, man, you know, this is a jumping off point after how good X-Men has been lately. We are getting to see number X-Men number two, let me find the credits, Mr. Jonathan Hickman, writer. Uh, Lineal Francis Yu, mm. artist. Gotta love him. Follow him on Instagram, guys. He does amazing pointillism sketches with just ballpoint, oh, no way. With just ballpoint pen. And it's just not, it's either nothing but stippling or nothing but uh, cross hatching to just do something like, how the hell did he make it look so easy? Uh, just uh, nude nude women. Uh, and it, it, it's very tasteful, but it's also a, a, a large exercise in form. He's really showing off, actually. 
Uh, we've got uh, Gary <laughs> Allen Gillian Inker. I, I gotta laugh. I'm sorry. Uh, I want to follow him on Facebook, or I follow him on Instagram now, and I just got Instagram. And I'm not doing anything. I don't take pictures of anything. And, like, I just opened it up because I was like, oh, yeah, I'll find him and figure out how to do it. I can't, I don't know what I'm doing. And, like, I'm scrolling through hundreds of people who are following me now. And I'm like, dude, uh, I had no idea. I was so popular for posting nothing. Who did you say to follow? Was it Francis Yu? Linneal Francis Yu, yeah. Linneal. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Carry on, carry on. Yeah, so we're, we're kicking it off where another large entity of a floating... Um, Island has appeared and it is quickly making its way towards Krakoa and the ambassadors, uh, as I might even, cause that's basically what they are. Cause the Island is alive. Uh, are Scott Summers and his two kids cable and, uh, uh we've got mm-hmm. the Miss Phoenix there and they show up and it is a, it's one of the few moments I've seen where we actually get to see Scott being a good dad, which is probably never. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, not that I could think. So basically, they're making their way to the heart of this uh, island, and they keep encountering quite a lot of uh, extraordinary new entities, uh, almost alien-esque. And we see within the uh, the pit, the heart of the volcano, where we see tentacles coming out. Uh, that the there's a all white man, just he's bleeding black from his eyes. He's got an odd uh, symbol on his chest that is remarkably similar to the. Uh, pictographs or hieroglyphs that Krakoa uses to uh, communicate with the the X-Men or the mutants in general. And he's talking to his mother somehow. And as Scott and his kids are bonding, they encounter him. And of course, Cable, uh, being a hothead little shit, hands him a thermal grenade as a present. And the guy immediately presses it and nothing happens to him. And the, the ensuing battle... Uh, he, they finally are able to get their communicators working to where they can talk to him and get things settled down, uh, which I, I hate that. That's one of those things that always bothers me is that quintessential, it has to be there. We have to fight before we can talk. Uh, sometimes that just gets really, yeah. uh, that gets really exhausting. Uh, luckily, this wasn't... KJ and Jack. Yeah, KJ and Jack. What's KJ up? and Jack chiming in. In the morning. They... KJ and Jack in the morning. Carry on. Yeah, they uh, they get to talk to him, and he lets them. Basically, the island is the female entity of Krakoa, and they are longing for each other. And oh, no kidding! They're making their way there, and he explains that they're going to bond together, and that in fact does happen. And while this new this new man, uh, let me pull up his name here. The the other island is Araco, if I say that right, A R A K K O. And he meets Apocalypse in the depths of the jungle of Krakoa. And Apocalypse immediately knows who he is and asks him, which of my children is mother to you? And just like he looks up and just says war and just my heart fell right out of my ass. This is the the, the son of war. It personified as opposed to something that was created by Apocalypse. This, this This is entirely new and sentient. And Apocalypse cradles him. And it's it's odd because he's in his full apocalypse gear and where you know you see the big A, uh, mm-hmm. which is confusing because he's been telling everyone to call him a different name, an unpronounceable Prince S symbol, and it ends there uh, on that nice highlight that well if he's got sons then who else does, 
And if Apocalypse, Apocalypse, is, I, I really think he's doing his best at the moment, but you, you know that he's got his own agenda and it, it scares me because I'm trying to enjoy this as much as I can before shit hits the fan because it's yeah. gonna, it's gonna, because all the bad guys are there. Sinister is there. Uh, and which leads into the next, the next issue, uh, Fallen Angels, number one. It's, uh, we're following Cable, the actual Psylocke, because we talked earlier about how Betsy Braddock had actually separated mm-hmm. from Psylocke, and she's in her original body before that, uh, snafu where she accidentally stole some kick-ass ninja's body, and... Dude, I totally never understood that was the case. Yep. And, uh, well... She's alive. She's a mutant, and she is. Yep. There is a new entity that she, that a god came to her in what could have been a hallucination to warn her that there's a new god, Apoth. Yeah, Apoth. He is the okay. Tetragrammaton, the new name of God, and by peace shall he unite all and destroy many. He's already. What did you say? The Tetragrammaton. What did you say that word again? Tetragrammaton. Tetragrammation reminds me of uh, Equilibrium starring Christian Bale. Carry on. Worst ma- Matrix ripoff ever. Um, Dude, it's a great fun movie. I don't give a rip. Well, anyway, so she's on. She is on a quest to figure out what she needs to do about this. But she's also dealing with the fact that she's alive, and that's one of the best aspects of this particular episode because they ask her. Where were you while someone else was piloting your body? And she says, I was nowhere, screaming, and no one could hear me. Can you imagine? Like, in my opinion, hell isn't fire and, you know, getting to watch your grandma get desecrated while, you know, fiery pokers. Like, no, no. Like, you know, the, the, the Christian version of hell is nothing compared to my fear of what hell is, is actually nothingness and floating and no one being able to hear me. Like the the way that um, the way that sensory deprivation the Russians would do, except for all eternity. Sure. And, and that integration, that idea, is what she was introducing. That that's where she actually was. And the fact that she's actually coherent. Uh, obviously, she's been respawned. So hopefully, her mind isn't broken. But she she's <laughs> having yeah she's having her, the flashbacks of her training, and she wants nothing to do with Cable. But she gets X twenty three on her side. And they are headed to figure out what the hell's going on. And when they actually do, the god manifests itself in a few different children. And it's revealed to her that the first entity that was possessed by this, uh, involving an an odd technological apparatus that is put on your head, um, well, the first one was actually Psylocke's lost child that was taken from her during her training. And hopefully maybe she might meet her later on, but... That's what's that's what's going on here. This is the vibe I'm getting from this comic is that the writer, which I forgot to bring up, let me pull that up. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I interrupted you about it. No, that's fine. Uh, did you ever read uh, uh, No Way Home NYX? It's got it. Oh, dude, no, I gotta get that in trade and check. Yeah, I, I remember that was a weird period right before I got heavily back into books and it was one of those books that they hadn't collected yet so finding single issues was a bit of a beef and uh they were a little bit uh more high-end than they ought to have been it's that strange period when they were producing marvell and some other stuff you recall 
before 2004. Yeah, absolutely. And like uh, they really need to uh, publish everything, uh, both uh, NY axes together. It's like a more adult version of the Runaways, and yeah, th- it's yep. got a, it's got that sort of vibe. Written by uh, Brian Hill, uh, artist Hitch. Brian Hitch. No, Brian Hill. Is it Hill or Hitch, really? I'm talking about this episode of issue of Fallen Angels number one. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about NYX still. Yeah. Uh, Brian Hill wrote this. Uh, this Simon Kradonsky, artist. Uh, amazing artist on Spawn and uh, Punisher, so check those out. Frank uh, DeMarta, color artist. VCs Joe Sabino, letterer. Tom Muller, design. Ashley Witter, cover artist. So, yeah, the cover was a really nice digital representation, but Kradonsky really knocked it out of the park in this one. He... It wasn't as um, textured, where it looked dirty and ugly, uh, as a lot of the because he does a lot of um, gritty comic books. So this one was a little bit more clean, but had a lot more of emotion and a broader range of artistic uh, artistic spectrum in terms of he went outside his box on this. So that was mm. that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun as well. So I've I've never seen him do something this clean. But yeah, uh, this one I would say that for our for you X Men uh, lovers, that I would pick this one up if you want. If you're more in the you, you you can't afford or just don't feel like following so many X books, that this one would be one to follow if you're into the darker vein of comic books or or um, and find uh, solace in people's development through hell or or pain or pain. Uh, especially, I can't wait for them to expand on on Kid Cable in this one because. Uh, it's it's something to be it's something to be holding this one. This one I would say this is one of the the hidden gems of what's going on in the X Men right now. Hmm. Yeah, uh, NYX is a Joe Casada book. Sorry, I went through went I looked it up in the midst of all that. I just don't want us to yeah. misquote it. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was I thought it was Casada. Uh, he wrote he wrote and drew the first one, right? Or did he just draw it? Um, I have uh, issues one through four being. Uh, Joshua Middleton and then uh, Rob Tashirni. Tashirni? The, the Tiranishi. Rob Tiranishi from issues five to seven. Five to seven. The second series of of NYX uh, No Way Home uh, is written by Marjorie Liu, and that girl. Oh, nice. That that girl's a. She's no longer an up comer. She's established. She's the. She is the wonderful person writing uh, Monstrous currently. One of the better Image comics on the shelves at the moment. So. Uh, Check those out if you're into that sort of writing vein. But yeah, but she did a Black Widow book, right? We got that. Uh, uh, a I, couple of years ago. I would like to think that she's. Uh, that sounds super familiar, but off the top of my head, I would say yeah, she's either that or it was a Gail Simone thing. No, it couldn't have been Simone. Simone primarily writes. No, for, I don't think so. For yeah. DC. Oh, I'm sitting on my cable here. <clears throat> oh, uh, just before I forget, and just even bringing up uh, Gail Simone. Uh, when she did Birds of her run of Birds of Prey, uh, before the new Fifty Two started, uh, picked those yep. up in trade, guys. It was they were phenomenal. She really grasped those women. Come on, let's do Daredevil. Come on, I need to know. I need to know your opinion on this one. Uh, Daredevil, yeah, Daredevil thirteen. Uh, Chip Zdarsky's work, so you know it's his run right now. Uh, Marco Chichedo is the uh, illustrator. And the anchor, uh, colorist Nolan Woodward, letters virtu- VCs Clayton Cowles, and uh, just a slew of editors: CB Sibulski, Danny Kajam, Devin Lewis, Nicholas Albert, Nick Lowe, 
and the cover was kind of cool. Uh, cover artist Julian Cotino Tedesco. Um, <clears throat> let's see, Daredevil, what? I mean, you've got this whole sequence going on in there where Elektra has come out of nowhere and is trying to more or less retrain Matt slash Daredevil. And it's like, there's nothing to it. There's That's not even the story. That that deserves at least its own whole issue, let alone maybe two. Agreed. Solid issues of him training and dealing with stuff. Kind of like that kick-ass... What was it? Um... <clears throat> Uh, the, oh man, Daredevil, the man with fear. What what was it that just preceded this? What was that title? Oh, uh, yeah, the the yeah, you're you're, you're right. The, yeah, yeah, the, that's how we got to this point. Yeah, with Daredevil, and and uh, I feel like I feel like you could almost do another, maybe a four part with that. Electra training Daredevil to get back on his feet and not be breakable, dude. I really appreciate the mortality. Of Daredevil right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Oh, man. You really believe he takes a hit and it hurts and he can be broken. And, uh, you know, he was a superhero forever and ever and ever. And now I think he's more or less a regular guy with super senses. And uh, and he's, he's vulnerable in a way that we've never seen him before. Not even when he lost his identity to uh, Silva. That was incredible. It's my favorite Daredevil to this day. But, uh, yeah, the, the real thing here is the kingpin. You've never seen the kingpin so vulnerable. Wilson uh, Fisk is the mayor of New York, and he went to that uh, highfalutin bunch of turds house <laughs> for dinner, and um, they were picking, one guy in particular was picking on him repeatedly. And it's like, what? Why would you do this? One of these privileged a-holes going on and, like, giving him grief as if, the dude isn't the most dangerous person in New York. That was cathartic. It was just incredible. Huh? That was, was that was cathartic uh, from every rich asshole yeah. I've had to like deal with in whatever line of work I've ever been in, or just like back in the day when I was a kid growing up enlisted military, and uh, just the, the the officer kids were well, a lot of them were a bunch of fucking assholes along along with their that mothers. Was a, yeah. Along with That's mothers. one of the things I appreciated reading uh, in uh, the right stuff recently by Tom Wolfe was this idea that just because like your husband is a particular uh, officer grade, that meant that the wife shared that rank. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of the officers were like, uh, no, you don't. And then, <laughs> but you would go to, the women would get together, the wives would get together and do things. And it was like, well. Her uh, her husband's a colonel, so she's who we're taking direction from. It's not like you're taking orders and whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's just this privilege. Watching him, it's unbelievable. Watching him get beat to death with someone's bare hands was just wonderful. And to go, yeah, we've never really seen that before in a realistic fashion. The kingpin got pissed off enough that he went and he murdered this guy. And we've rarely seen the kingpin actually murder somebody. The Ultimate Universe had the Ultimate Kingpin. Squeeze the guy's head and you know crush him to death. Basically, Spidey classic scene managed to find a yeah like yeah ultimate Spidey managed to find a way to get in and and uh, get the record of that and that was how he that was a major coup for a fifteen year old kid to go in get the footage of this release it to the public and then they're like oh this is indefensible we've got you on film 
killing a guy. Like, we don't have that in this case. It was awesome for, I think, Wesley, the Wesley character who was generated from the Daredevil TV series or Netflix series. Thank you for bringing that uh, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, uh, uh, He's the guy that Kingpin calls in this horrible moment for him. I had and, uh, two rebuttals because of that. Yeah, go. I had two rebuttals because of that. We have seen Kingpin vulnerable, but not like this. This was absolutely inspired for how well those first two seasons of the Daredevil were written and seeing the the, uh-huh. the the Kingpin as a vulnerable human being and then, you know, switch from A to B or <laughs> Omega to Alpha and vice versa. In one scene, he actually looks like he's crying while this spin doctor is figuring it out and reassuring him when he says, I'm scared. Don't worry, we got this taken care of. I already got a patsy. We're, we're figuring this out. And then second off, the only reason I think that they trimmed down i can literally picture in my head an editor telling uh the writer uh you need to make this this scene short because pacing wise if they'd have made that a whole issue or even two uh i would have the the momentum they had with fisk in the bathroom would have been lost because you need to get to that quick there i mean if it was if he had just beat the guy up and there was an argument with the other people there that were rich and powerful and would somehow decide what's going on with the future of the Kingpin in New York, yeah, then I could see them building that up. But there's a there's a mutilated body that needs to get uh, uh, disappeared quickly. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Man, yeah, this was a good book. Uh I really love the artistry of the whole murder scene in the bathroom, the mm. blood spatters and just the sprays and stuff like that. This is really like, man, this is this is not approved by the Comics Code Authority. No. And yet, you know, it was just it was just a damn fine issue. And and everything I just always it's been so good lately, Daredevil. In terms of the art, this is some of the best talking heads I have ever seen because how emotive they are. When when you see that like kind of bug's eye view of Fisk holding his hands up and then it goes a little bit higher and he's looking down and he looks like he's got tears in his eyes. And then the page beforehand is so dynamic with uh, uh, Daredevil sensing Electro with his like radar-like mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, that... I can't find a flaw in this. Like you know, when you've got a boss and they're instructed by their bosses that when you coach someone, you gotta give them the compliment sandwich. Uh, you know, so, <laughs> so, so they have to find yeah. one thing, even if you haven't messed anything up, um, that you can quote unquote improve on. And you walk away going like, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> like, I, I I can't even nitpick this one. It's too good. Uh, I've always been a single issue guy, but this this needs. I can't wait for this one to be in trade because this needs to be all collected at all times. Something that, um, in, in only in terms that it's got to be all together so you don't lose it. And second off, this book needs to be one of the books that you lend to a friend that they just don't give back to you and you're totally cool with it. <laughs> That's kind of how I started reading Daredevil. I never read it until Daredevil Volume 2, Volume 2. And uh, that was the Bendis Malieve run. And we have talked incessantly about that since we started doing the minefields. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was it. That was how it got turned on to it. It was just a gritty, realistic book. And it's just crazy because you can always have Daredevil. We, we always talk about Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's because you can have Daredevil without the rest of the MCU, pretty much. Now, uh, my impression of what this book was, because you get those books that are like, okay, here's this is a tension-building book. This is a, we need to expound on this character book. This was a book mm-hmm. where all the main characters are making their moves. 
We've got that renegade. We've we've got a, a a now Boy Scout cop who's about to be a renegade cop, getting the getting the cones to do that. We've got Fisk making his move. We've got uh, Matt making his move, and like, yeah, it's time to it's time to be Daredevil again. It's time to be myself. And I really hope that a lot of our readers, uh, listeners, can take away from this book that who, who have felt uh, the pressures of what's happening to them, and that they think about. All the things about, oh man, I used to be so powerful. I used to have a meaning. I used to have, uh, you know, goals. And now they're gone and I can never get them back. I hope that you take what is happening through every single one of these characters. Good, bad. There's nothing but gray area here. There's nothing but gray area here that you actually have to make. uh, You actually have to have the balls to make a decision of what's going to happen. Because it's going to have some serious repercussions no matter what you do, especially if you don't do anything, which is the worst thing. And then you've got, uh, can you really say Fisk was a bad guy killing this asshole? Or or uh, the, the cop deciding to, you know, stand up for what he believes in finally and not paying attention to the book? Or Murdoch realizing that he, what he was is still inside of him? And what a great foil when Elektra comes out of nowhere. Of, of course it had to be Elektra. It, it's, it's a no-brainer. And no one else could have done that. If they'd have brought Stick in, I wouldn't have trusted anything that was happening. But I know that Electra, the true blue Electra, which is who, what we were experiencing, would have the heavy hand, uh, but also the 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 soft the soft approach, uh, or vice versa, and waking this guy up. Well, I don't think that Stick would have come in and tried to save the day. Well, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I was picking an arbitrary person, like that. That wasn't Electra. I'm saying it was perfect that it was Electra. Anyone else would have caused problems. No, I totally. I, yeah, I agree. I. You know what's weird is that. Um, oh, I keep changing. Sorry, guys. I keep changing the levels because I'm moving around and my microphone is super hot right now. Um, the. Uh, you know, like I. I don't. Have, I didn't. Have, I have my TV turned on in uh, Tulsa, and I would just watch stuff on Netflix or DVD or whatever. And uh, so I've been in this hotel, and there's you know ten channels of HBO. And um, something, what the Electra movie with Jennifer Garner came on the other day, mm-hmm. and they had, of course, a Terrence Stamp playing Stick. It was really fascinating to see that character portrayed at all. And uh, I didn't get to watch the whole thing. You know, I'm like getting up at two in the morning and working lately, and it's really rough. But like seeing enough of it and going and getting a feel for that character as moved from the medium of comics to film was kind of just, it was cool. And the dismissive attitude he had towards her, because of course he was trying to teach her something by kicking her out. Uh, I don't know if you guys, did you ever watch that one? I have. It's funny you bring that up, because uh, a couple weeks ago my mom was all excited because she went, my mom um, mom and I go to yard sales all the time or the flea market. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> she's all stoked because she bought uh, Daredevil, the Ben Affleck one, when you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, well, well, you're talking about Electra the movie, or are you talking about Daredevil? Uh, well, they're. I was talking about Electra, but yeah. Well, it doesn't ma- it doesn't matter because in one fell swoop, she for a dollar each, she got Electra, Daredevil, and Halle Berry's Catwoman all at once, and she was all excited, and she's like, "Are these? Good? Oh my god!" And she's like, "On these- a scale of a scale of <laughs> one to three, which one's the worst?" <laughs> I would say Catwoman. Yeah, of course. But I was like, "Oh yeah, these it's are crazy. fun." I didn't want to shit in her parade or nothing like that but it was just it was it was a hoot that like those were the three 
like I, I if I if someone asked me the three worst comic book movies, uh, I would say <laughs> those three. Uh, you don't he, even like uh, Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. I love that movie. That movie is awesome, <laughs> and it is on YouTube. <laughs> Uh, guys, if you're listening, uh, if you've got yeah. Hulu, there's a documentary about the, the the death of that movie. But before you oh, I watch see that, before you watch that, and they have every single person involved in that movie uh, talking uh, candidly, and it's funny seeing these people look back on it, thinking like, yeah, like they thought it was crap, and now it kind of, I don't have a problem with it. Like there's something special about it, and then, uh, but but the, the 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 full thing is on is on YouTube. Hell, uh, the the that that nineteen ninety two or whatever Captain America movie was better. Hell, that Punisher movie was better than Catwoman Dude. with, with Dolph, Dolph Lundgren. Lundgren oh yeah, that was good. I always remember him sitting there like meditating and stuff like that, just seething. That one was rough. I just that Captain America movie. If you don't like, except for how long it took for him to actually get into costume and do something cool, that that the the trope of that uh, sequencing. It's just so old, you know? Yep. Make it, wait until the last, the last part of the movie before we get Captain Kirk in his gold uniform or whatever the crap, you know? It's just, dude, mm-hmm. guys, get over it. Just put him in the costume and go to town. That's what I like Daredevil so much for is that it was in, in the middle of things. And uh, Yeah, yeah, it Daredevil glitched for a second, no problem. I'm going to write down no, 33. We're a, we might be having an issue here with our, uh, might be having a technical issue. You there? 33 or 4, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, no big deal. So, uh, yeah, I've got us for thirty three oh four, right now. Um, yeah, that that I don't know, man. That Daredevil movie, I love it, and I, I really like the uh, director's cut. It's a little cutesy in some spots. The whole like fighting with Electra on a seesaw type of thing, or whatever the crap balance beam. I don't remember what it was, but and ugh. I gotta say, you know, Bullseye. What was that guy's name that played Bullseye? Colin. uh, The direction was terrible with the character. Colin Farrell. If you Google celebrities with herpes, he's like the number two guy that pops up. Colin Farrell. And the the number one is Derek Jeter. (laughs) Football, uh, football, baseball players. Stupid. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Derek Damn, Peter, like huh? that. I, I did enjoy it. I loved watching Ving Rhames as a kingpin. That movie was still fun. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Always good stuff. But seriously, guys, watch, watch the documentary awesome. on Hulu about great the, uh, the Death oh my of the Fantastic God. Okay, Four we got to move on. That was but good watch stuff, it on uh, uh, Hulu before you do. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible quality. Just it's it's imagine watching a trauma film. This should have been a trauma film, if that makes any sense to any of you guys, and I'm sure it will if you're listening. Uh, but what do you want to do next, brother? <laughs> Let's do that. Um, let me scroll through my stuff, my my sheet here. Mm, I've got history of the Marvel Universe next. Number five, written by Mark Re- Mark Wade. Uh, Javier Rodriguez illustrations still amazing not as good as it has been though Inker Alvaro Lopez Bacadon, the good one uh, that's his nickname or whatever uh, Javier I, I don't know why I'm, I don't know why I'm so colors. partial to Joe VCs, Clayton he's Joe awesome but I don't know why just just the that maybe it's just a good his name one. I don't know <laughs> 
don't know. Oh man, what that guy can do with Comic Sans. Uh, editor, <laughs> editor Shannon Andrews, Bellesteros, Tom Breveport, uh, CB Sabuski, uh, Elena Smith. Then we got multiple cover artists, depending on what you want to get out of it. Uh, this is the big X-Men cover issue. And um, I got to say, it's not... It, it, that's the crazy thing is that at this point, I'm looking at it Almost going, well, what are they going to say about my favorite little story? Well, your favorite little story yeah, is getting this, compressed this should have been three issues. Page. This should have been three issues. Um, it's not like the earlier issues where the psychedelia had taken over. But I will say I... Oh, yeah. I really appreciate the... Uh, the alter the artistic alteration to that Frank Quitely style from New X Men when we get to that point, and um, you know it, it chronicles if you want to Siege. call it that Page Each um, Dark you know, Reign, The Cabal, Death of Captain America, Avengers Disassembled, which now I go back and I yeah Siege was awesome, uh, totally Secret Invasion. Now let me tell you, you know what's weird is that I go back and I think about how big a deal Avengers Disassembled was. And I'm like, I don't I don't care anymore. I look at it and I'm like, I get how important, but it just doesn't I don't care. Because it was all a big mess. And then of course all of the importance of it was eradicated within a month when Magneto flew off Scar uh Scarlet Witch's body. It's stupid because Magneto had just been killed so perfectly it's in true. the X Men. It's true. He's he's been pissed. That out. I've known Colin for ten years. He's been like, there's a few day, things that gets him riled up. Uh, House of House of M. It's just disappointing. Uh, no, but the no no the but beforehand when you're talking about when they bring when they bring Magneto yeah. back after that, what happened with Morrison? I love House of M. Uh, I really do. You've been pissed House about that. Yeah, You're pissed about the clone saga. No, if there was a way to bring, <laughs> Sorry, bring, bring uh, Magneto back, it would have been the Scarlet Witch. That would have been truly amazing. <laughs> Lies, like, <he's> a holdover. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> no, it doesn't. That it, you know, clone saga doesn't bother me that much. I mean, at a certain point, it doesn't matter anymore. But uh, it just goes on and on and on. I just can't, still to this day can't understand why. If you want to read the whole clone saga, you don't go find it in single issue. They're not going to waste the money on that. Cuckoo dollars. Mm -hmm. To get giant trade floppy trade paperbacks that aren't even in hardback, but um, yeah, you know, I mean, the thing that really gets me is I just really want this story between Nathan. Uh, uh, That's sorry, no, Franklin, the best part of it. Nathaniel, Franklin <laughs> Richards and um, and uh, Galactus. Like, I want that story. How do they? I love the mutual these, respect. Yeah. How do they become these? Oh, absolutely. You're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like it's, if he does anything just, too much, it's going to be the death of Franklin. And you know that Galen is there's no more to back. make. Like they just it's it's like it's the end yeah. and it confuses me because this is happening at the same time as they're introducing that uh Bruce Banner is going to be yeah. this uh this universe's Galen in forming the new universe uh and becoming the next Galactus, which is a great idea. And I, I I just hope that they don't lose the momentum or forget that that's what they're gonna do. Um, but the best part is is really watching the uh, them just have their discourse and their mutual respect. But I'm just glad you pointed that out, man. 
Maybe two. Because uh, he mouths off a bit and Galactus kind of puts him in his spot. Uh, I have some serious yeah, issues page, with, this, with this. Now, I uh, I yeah. absolutely still recommend that people still read these. But they got... Uh, remember I called you and I told you, like, they got some X-Men facts wrong. And I'm thinking... And I'm thinking... And, and then the next day, I sent you that link. And it was like, uh, Marvel Comics Universe gets X-Men stuff wrong. I'm like, yes! They got the... They got yeah. House of M details uh, muddled. Um they got Cassandra Nova's story completely wrong. Um, yeah, that really bothered me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, 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 they they first off they they, they don't preface well, it with why Genosha is important, and they made sure that anything that needs to be prefaced gets prefaced. Um, and they don't do that with Extinction Agenda the way they should. Uh, the 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 yeah extinction yeah all of it all of it like they 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 they, oh. they glanced over yeah i, I feel like the there are one a lot of them really things. even mentioning that, that. And the legacy and virus and the, all that other they stuff? had some muddled house of mm. m uh problems and they didn't even Glenn. they didn't even include no more mutants they, they in nowhere in this issue did they say no more mutants they didn't even show the lips now the 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 splash pages were phenomenal in explaining things, and, but because I, I recognize, well, I, I agree. But even then, the the way that the artist packed in so much information yeah. and pictorial well, what can you pictorial do page, representations you know? that would immediately incite like ten different uh, memories in the span of an inch, and then this inch over here spans like like ten more memories. Uh, they 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 they. They they mussied up the X Men yes. history, which kind of and now that I say it out loud, it's kind of you should because everyone always does. <laughs> like, yeah. mm-hmm. well, it's a messy, uh, I messy. Would, I wish they would have included so, uh, the struggle uh, in the uh, last issue like that Claremont had uh, in finishing the Dark Phoenix but, uh, saga because there was too many goddamn cooks in the goddamn kitchen and he wasn't able to finish it correctly. And they tried to do it in the cartoon and they still messed with it. And uh, it, it's never. And then he tried to re, he tried to do it again. Uh, wow, a couple of years ago, uh, and it just. It it's like there's three versions, or maybe actually four now. Now that when they brought Gene back and then integrated Dark Phoenix Saga somewhat into that, well, actually five because of when the Phoenix came and made the 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 five Dark Mutants, and then it, it all culminating with Cyclops, which was still which made the last issue of the X Men uh, that we just talked about number two so funny. Watching Scott say all the right things when he's never said all the right things. yeah i don't know i mean it's it's it ended it it ended where it ended and it was you know just to be continued and all that stuff it it was a heavy better in 2010 i like the guardians of the galaxy thing because (laughs) realizing that the guardians that we're all aware of from the movie Mm -hmm. uh yeah kind of pretty much and the team roster is a lot bigger and more interesting and uh they come together a thousand years too early. 
And at least he's pointing that, at least Galactus is pointing that out. So I hope that in, when he gets into the far future stuff, uh, that uh, he points out that the real Guardians are from the year 3000, and that team is critical. Um, which is crazy, because this future team, who had so many dealings with the past, is what sets forth the stuff that we're aware of. So, you know, the Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning team with uh, Quill and Groot and all of that. But um, I just don't know that that many people really understand it. I'm just hoping that the next Guardians movie goes very far into the future and talks about those characters. But those dudes are Let's all running it. around. Let's talk about some Yondu. Yondu books. Let's talk about it. Week was uh, so important. That was a segue. Ah, <laughs> oh, you do it. Yeah. Let's jump in there. Uh, what did we got? Uh, you want to run off the the credits or shall I? Okay, I got it. Yondu, it's a 2020 book. That's the funny thing. Some of these books are already credited as being from uh, 2020. It's not even fully through November yet. Uh, Lonnie Nadler and Zach Thompson wrote this together. Uh, drawn by John McCree and uh, Michael Spicer as a colorist. The Joe Caramagna book, um, Lauren Amaro and Daniel Shan are the editors. Um, this is a Yondu book focusing mainly on the Yondu version of... Ver, ver, the Yondu persona version that we're familiar with as portrayed by Michael Rooker in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. And, um, however, he is very far from the Yondu that I knew and love from the original Guardians of the Galaxy, who was an Andromedan, like, nobleman, and he kind of took on the form of being a kind of a mixture of an American, Native American, you know, pan-ethnically ambiguous uh, Native American mixed with a Japanese warrior, that kind of stuff. And um, so you've got a guy from the future showing up and tracking down his ancient ancestor. He's like, I'm Yondu, and I want you to uh, understand the importance of what you are and who you are to us and, what, and me and what we're doing and stuff like that. And um, it's Yondu being a thief and a pirate, but operating pretty much by himself. Even Kraglin gets killed right away in the first issue. Uh, but it was just... It finally makes me appreciate why we would have that Yondu running around. Spock like Yondu as in the guy from the past showing up in the future. Uh, Spock like uh, Yondu. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I thought it was I read it more as the guy from the past showing up from the No, the guy show, from the future. The guy from the past showing up in the, showing up in the future in the, in the making sure time. that he because completed a mission or complete completed his destiny. Uh, I I More or less. But yeah, he's got he's the coming from the future because that's the Yondu of the year 3000 who operated with Martin X and Charlie 27 and Vance Astro, etc. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that you've got you've got a version. I mean, just the, pre the principle, not the principle, maybe, but the. Uh, the promise of this story is pretty big because being confronted with an 
alternate version of your uh of your of your future ancestors definitely secular future ancestors your future offspring is like it doesn't come up very often you know like i could yeah i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you without going into egregious detail and it's a spoiler but uh star trek first contact is heavy with that and um like yeah, we are. We're all from the future, and we totally worship you for these reasons. And you've got a guy that's like, I don't want to be that guy. Uh, but you're going to do something. You're going to do something that blows everybody away and changes your perspective. And hopefully you live through it, you know, that kind of stuff. It was, I don't know. I'm just, it's a compelling story. I love, and if I love how the rough the art is. is the I'm not saying it's bad. That's not the right, that's book. not, that's not, that's not what I've I'm saying. Seen. And it's only one the, issue. The, right? the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the the artwork in a Yondu comic has to be great. No, you're right. It, it, it's laden to with these Encapsulate how hungover he is all the time, how bad he is to himself, uh, both mentally and physically. It has yeah. to be encapsulated with a dirtier, uh, grimier form of art. And they completely encapsulated it. I like that the shadows in this were... There was a... like For some reason, the shadows just popped out on this for me because that mm-hmm. is a as an artist myself that is a pain in the ass is nailing nailing shadows uh, uh, nailing shadows and postures and um yeah it's it's like when i was talking earlier <laughs> about loving the uh, emotive aspects of daredevil this one like he's like the the teeth it's just it's just like if you dropped a Cheeto in this room, you would not pick it back up. Um, uh, it, I know. It just, and then, and then the little things that obviously I hope are going to get explained, like <laughs> Yondu's removal of its fin. That, that's that's always something I've been intrigued with since from the movies. When especially when we saw uh, little Groot go get a bigger fin, um, it's important mm-hmm. to me. I got to know about that fin. <laughs> I gotta know about it. There, there's something. Yeah, they really haven't gone into egregious detail about it. It's not like it's like you know, it's it's a thing that you might occasionally get a uh, a little drop about, like Star Trek fan fiction or something like that. But yeah, right, that's yeah. a good point. It's uh, but even then, like they 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 needed to expand else. on that some but way. That hopefully. In any way, the the techno organic anything just makes me like tell me more, because <laughs> I, I, I'm a Phalanx fan, man. Like anything that has to deal with Phalanx, I've read it, and um, you, don't tease me with that, and then and then don't pay off. <laughs> but yeah, read it. Go buy it. Go to your local uh, comic hovel. Charity. <laughs> comic hovel. Yeah, there's there's a few hovels here in the springs, but uh, comic hovel. They're yeah, still cool stores, store. but they're still hovels, and they know it. It's okay. What do you got next, brother? You want to do Morbius? Yep. Um. Yeah, let's hop in on that one. Morbius, uh, number one. It's another twenty twenty Ritter. Right, Ritter. Writer uh, Vita Ayala, uh, illustrated by Marcelo Ferreira, Inker Roberto Poggi, and colorist 
Dono Sanchez Almara. Uh, it's a VC book with Clayton Cowles, and it's a Danny Kajam and uh, Devin Lewis edited. Um, <clears throat> this was frustrating. It had no lead in. It didn't explain anything. About <laughs> the Melter. And you got some like F list villain, the Melter. That's. Uh, yeah, like doing experiments or something and accidentally killing or mortally wounding one of his henchmen, but he, we don't really, he doesn't really know which and why. And it's because he was like, no, real power comes from, you know, biotech and whatever. We kept trying to tinker with technology, but the real thing is to make the powers mm -hmm. part of you. And here's a way we're going to try it. And it's just this whole hack like concept. Like, what, how are you going to get powers into somebody by killing them? It's stupid. And then Morbius shows up and uh, starts getting these guys one after the other. And he's playing that awesome anti-hero part, you know. Uh, you're hurting people, and so I'm going to get you. I'm going to eliminate you. I'm going to feed off of the bad guys. And so he gets these guys one after the other, and he takes... That's so 60s. That's so fucking 60s. Like, <laughs> cannon, uh, or lava rocket. I don't know what the crap his weapon is. And uh, it's super 60s, yeah. And uh, he takes it like a champ. He burns, and then he heals up really quick and whatever, but he's, you know, engorged. He's gorged himself on blood, so what What else could he do? And um, at a certain point, I was like, okay, you know, this is what it is, and I was just flipping pages and not really caring anymore. And uh, it's definitely not the best effort for sure but i'm glad that this character is still out there it just kind of seems like they were giving a push to some <laughs> and then forget know, about him next week uh, wrestler <laughs> hey let's give this guy a push and uh try to get him over no nobody's gonna get over off of this yeah you can't you can't take a d-list character and push him over by having him eliminate a bunch of F-list characters and L-list characters and stuff like that. Well, people who, you just, they're here, they're fodder. They're just here to get killed or something like that. It's like, well, the reader isn't going to care how bad these guys are unless they see them to be bad. You know, we could have followed. I can think of like a whole other way I would have written this. You could have Morbius, <coughs> excuse me, you know, leaping the rooftops, following guys, being like, I got to eat. I gotta get somebody, but I'm I can't I can't do it. Like I can't get these guys. But they've got it. They cross that line. There's definitely a line. And if they cross that line, I'm gonna get them. And I'm gonna hunt them and I'm gonna stalk them. You know, unless I hear a scream, in which case I'll go over there and I'll try to get those bad guys. You know, and it's just like that to me felt like feels like it would be a better book. At least we're following Morbius instead of going down this, you know, through through his mentality. And I'm not saying that we don't get an inner monologue from Morbius in this, but the opportunity to be there on a ride with Morbius. How does he go about what he's doing and why? And is it like a Marvel zombie thing where he can't think straight it's, until he's... So it's still about curing himself. Like, does, they're still on that... Then he can, like, focus on trying to find a way to cure himself or at least alter his condition somehow it's totally about that that's in the end that's what he's trying to do and his his best friend had 
died at some point. It's his lab partner or something like that. And uh, in and of itself, that's what he's still trying to find a way is to do this. And it doesn't go right. You know, he's cured. He think, he's not cured, but he's like better for a second. And he's super excited. And then it all goes south, you know. I just really feel like if you're going to launch no, Morbius. No, uh, I was going to. to yeah, I've got it in my stack. Um, but even then, like, um, did this. That's did, kind of what listen, I got. Does this in any way one, huh? connect to Spider-Man at all? Excuse me. It, it, precisely why I asked the question. Uh, yeah, it, it's just like, is there anything that it's tying into? I mean, into? you know it's a Spider-Man. Uh, is it tying into the, what they're doing in 2099? Or, or even, obviously, yeah. obviously not Carnage. They haven't even finished that up because they're me- missing deadlines. Um, no, not at all. I Right, not at all. Like, it'd be incredible to have Morbius come in, like, in Ultimate. That's the thing. You know, you want to do a cool Carnage book, and you've got all those side characters that stick with these other guys, and it's like there's the Carnage gang with Scream and Doppelganger and Hobgoblin and stuff, and you've got the Peter gang running around, and it's obviously going to be Black Cat, and it's pretty crazy that you get Nova there for a second. Oh, whoa, the Punisher. And who else? I mean, there's this rotating roster. But I'm also kind of accidentally Round Robin books. Help, help me out. Robin help me out with that. I'm, I'm so not good. familiar with those. Damn, I need to reread that. The Round Robin books. Hmm. That was epic early 90s. Um, it has been a long time since I read those, but those were from that era. I think they were immediately pre-Ultimate Carnage. Because I remember being like, you know, oh, I've got a buck fifty of week allowance or some terrible allowance it was just terrible um and you know back then a, bu- a book was a buck 75 or something like that and i was like no i have to get every spider-man book right now they're doing this ultimate carnage thing well either before or after that the round robin storyline was a six-parter or something and i think it was an only amazing a spidey and it was uh it's just this business where spidey needed a bunch of help he was beat up uh fractured arm you know like something with the, like the cracked lens in his eye we'd never really even seen that kind of thing before where peter could get that beat up and worn down so think of like nightfall where batman is so jacked up and he's sick and he's trying to do everything and it makes sense that he would be defeated peter is or spidey is on the same on the verge of that same business and uh there's this like I'm going to say it again. These It's like Cyborg. There's this secret society in New York who are trying to develop a, a super race combined with cybernetic materials. And uh, this guy keeps going out and getting defeated or getting blown up or something. And he's becoming more and more impossibly, impossible to cope with the more robotic he becomes. And also for his, for his people, his own guys let alone fighting the new guy, fighting the heroes. He gets worse and worse to fight, and then there's all these other dudes that are involved too or are slightly cybernetic and stuff. It was like, I don't know, it was like 365-ish, issue 365-ish or something like that. I really, I guess I could look it up. That's a good book. There's a good, a good, like... Right. Intertitle promotional as opposed to a cross promotional event like we always talk about yeah 
Let me look it up. Carry on with something. I'll tell you. I mean, Morbius, just, I mean, I don't know. Am I going to get the next one? Ah, I don't know. I don't know. And it's not for lack of what they want to do with the character. Uh, it's the, for lack of... This is one of those things uh, where I'm, I'm looking formula, at this book. Basically, and the formula does not inspire it's me. It's pissing either. me off that the cover art is vastly superior to the actual internal art. Um it's it don't tease us with that obviously you always need a good cover because it defines it but even oh, then completely. like it's it's the same pose i've seen him in a million times um and then i turn the page and now i'm not saying you, you shouldn't give the the d f yeah, lister out. artist a chance i'm glad this guy got his chance problem is it doesn't it's it's like uh i always think about that uh like i think it was uh was it a sinbad movie where he's hooking up with that chick and uh, she, she she she's super hot and then she takes her her wig off and then she pulls out her implants and then she's got a <laughs> she's got a prosthetic leg that he didn't notice uh don't do that to us uh like if it's something like that. I don't remember. Uh, it was. It was. It was something. It, that's what. That's what great comic covers tell me. And then <laughs> I open the page, and it's just subpar. Give it some sort of matching, because you you make the artwork look worse when the artwork is vastly superior on the cover. And second off, why why have we gotten away from this? the way it used to be when you saw the cover and it would entice you like, wait, something happens in this issue. Uh, whether or not you like, uh, where, where like you're talking about the death of Gwen Stacy, someone in this issue dies and there's nine pictures of, I know. of someone that might die. And uh, the one you didn't want did. Um, but even then uh, just give us a hint. Don't just give us a portrait. Uh, just save it. Save it for the trading cards you don't do anymore. By the way, guess what I found at the flea market last week? I found the X-Men Series 1 uh, entire set for $5 with all of the hologram cards. I I, I was beside myself. I was, I was so happy about that. The, the, the original one that Jim Lee did every single cover, uh, every single card, and it had the blue, <laughs> uh, the blue outlines. Yeah. Oh, dude! I, I just I felt so complete. I gotta find another X Men uh, binder uh, for my cards. I recall. Oh man, that was so. Sorry about the crackling. Dude, yeah, I mean, for real. I'm uh totally gonna throw out a. Uh... <laughs> Nobody's sponsoring me to say this. Um, I don't know if you ever had them, You're if you've uh, ever lived right out of the United States, or if you go to some place that carries these. McAvity's Digestive Biscuits, the number one biscuits in the land. They're not biscuits. They're like little. They're like little graham crackers. They're not little. They're giant. Actually, they're like the bottom of a twenty ounce uh, uh, Joe's cup or something like that, or an O'Connell's cup if you're into that kind of thing. Um, man, how do I explain this? Uh, I don't know. They're just is, delightful, and you can get them with chocolate. Are those those the uh, bottom, biscuits you should be eating with tea right at tea time? You never find them with chocolate. Uh, they're delicious. They're giant kind of crackers. What's what sort of tea? You doing the Earl Grey because you have to? 
Not, not. Yeah, maybe it's not a PG tits. You doing it with T with Earl Grey because you have to because we love Picard so much. PG tips, PG tips, yep. straight up PG tips. Like the only question I ever thought was, I do have tea. Do I like Kirk or do I like? Picard? Well, I like other teas. Additionally, Lady Grey is good if you haven't had that. Ah, uh, dude. I'm just, yeah. I'm just hoping like that both, Wesley comes back in this because I want that man. Sorry, I was going to control over your control language and um, being a hardcore character that means everything the way he should have had had, had he not been bullied uh, as a child. There's no, I, I'm not looking down on him for this. I, oh, I that's a great point. I'm talking about Will Wheaton. I, I, I don't. I want his redemption where he deserves it, and we get. We get the You're talking about Will uh, Wheaton, I, I, like the the impression I uh-huh. get from this, and I know he was in this actual movie, is that this series is going to be the Logan of TNG, as in the movie Logan. Uh, yeah, Picard. Yeah, I, I imagine it to be the Logan, except in individual what series? series, and we have. To oh, the new episodes. one. Oh, Picard I, in January. I, I, I demand uh-huh. that Will Wheaton comes back. I want his redemption. I don't. I don't want him crying on any more Comic Con panels where he explains that yeah he was bullied oh to death God. for being in that show going to school in California, and that that sucks. He could have been one of the greats, and he should be a great, and this should be his redemption. I, mm-hmm. It'd be astonishing to have him come back and like save the day, kind of like he did in the uh, last. Um, Could you imagine well, not Will Wheaton, if but Wesley he, in, if this um, series leads to the, with, in the Q? The if I was right, if we were Star writing Q it, book. if we were writing it, I would insist that it would end in Will Wheaton's redemption as a great artist, a great actor, a great writer. Uh, obviously, he's going to have some sort of production credit, uh, but also. For it to end with a Picard handing handing it off to him, and then him getting the Enterprise, I would kill. I would, oh dude, I would kill for a, a, an entire Star Trek series, maybe two, three se- uh, uh, seasons where, oh, where no. Crusher. I don't think that's possible. Is uh, it doesn't matter. We can still write that in. <laughs> we can still write that in. He doesn't have the seasoning to be a captain. I, I read an interesting point of view the other day. Is there, because people were talking about Nog, who I know you're not familiar with. Aaron Eisenberg, beloved, beloved Deep Space Nine performer who played Nog. Um, and we see him being the first Ferengi in Starfleet. And he, and you're going to fall in love with this guy. You are absolutely going to fall in love with this guy. And um, there's an alternate reality where he is the captain of his own ship. There's two alternate realities I think we see. Wait, just one, just one. And then they bring Captain Nog back in one of the novels following Enterprise because Jake and Nog get together. They had a falling out, but they get together to nice. research the possibility that the last episode of Enterprise isn't the last episode of Enterprise, basically. And that was such a crazy direction to go. It's a really good book. And it set off all of the Enterprise kind of season five, six episodes. 
or a, a storyline. And um, it's so weird to think of that now. You know, you have like Buffy season eight comics or whatever. You've got, you know, you. Oh yeah, this is the next. This is the continuing. Yeah. This is the chrono- chronological continuation of this series or whatever. Firefly, for that matter. Anything else. Joss Whedon's good at that stuff. Anyway, so um, I know what you're saying. And the development of it, the point that I was trying to get to is that why is there is there any plot line? Is there anything where these characters don't get their own captaincy? Like, why does Harry have to be a captain at the end of Voyager? Why does... Why does why does LeVar Burton show up as captain of the Challenger in in a Voyager episode, you know? Why does uh obviously Riker was always meant to be captain. It's gonna be kind of hard to swallow if it's been it and that's a crazy thing. It's been almost twenty years. I don't know why he's not, not already won. I'm sorry, spoilers abound, spoilers. Uh Riker's gonna become a captain. And that's that. Exactly. You've got all those first season episodes, all those first like two, three years. We're totally off topic about comics here, by the way, but everybody. But we we had to, we we had a a deep Star Trek uh, episode the other day, and we had a technical flaw, so we haven't been able to figure out a way to get it get it out there. So we can talk a little bit about Star Trek. But I don't know why Wesley needs to have a ship. Wesley is not supposed to have a ship. Wesley is supposed to transcend the need for a starship. He just appears places, a la a navigator from Dune. He teleports. He doesn't have to. He he transcends warp travel or travel through space and time as anyone can understand it or perceive it. And so what gets everybody is what him appearing at <laughs> thank uh, you. Thank you very much. an event at the beginning of Star Trek Nemesis. And that's, I'm trying to be very careful about my spoilers again for you. But, uh, yeah, he appears there and it's like, oh, wow, maybe Wesley can shed some light on what he's been doing. And no, he doesn't. And you're like, why is he there? What uniform is he wearing? What's the deal with that? And it's just Will Wheaton sitting there smiling in a dress uniform. And you're like, oh, my God, I want more. And they did that cheesy thing with him where he was uh, overacting. Um in a uh, Starship Titan piece at the uh, Star Trek tour that I saw in like 2007 or something like that, 2008 at Long Beach. Didn't go very far, but totally over the top acting. Um, I dig what you're saying. I would love for Will Wheaton yeah, to show on. up let's in the on. Dark Multiverse, Black, and Blackest save the day night, in a major one. way. I wish they had not yeah, that would be cool. just individually <coughs> numbered each... Uh, yeah, issue as a number one. I wish they would have made a series out of it and kept it like two, three, four, five. Um, we're talking about it is it is a tired thing. Uh, we're talking that a entity that watches. I agree. That's a tired, tired thing. Guys. And this is a perfect foil for what's actually going on right now because it you couldn't just do these issues um, and have the gravitas that it has now. Unless you're doing you're the villain right now and doom and in terms of Lex Luthor succeeding in his quest to help this woman, you know, overtake everything, including anti-monitor and her sons. And we all see the the signal in the sky. 
it would have been an Elseworlds tale that uh, someone got in a dollar bin as a teenager or young teenager or child for a dollar that someone bought that someone bought because they made them and they didn't sell, but it is integral to the suspense <laughs> that they're doing right now with what the, with uh, uh, you're the villain where the villains do actually do win. And the, the, the good guys aren't all dead. Uh, only um, Martian uh, Manhunter really is, has truly died. And uh, what's his name? Star something. I forget his name because I'm not too familiar with it. So sorry, guys. I'm doing my best, but even then, uh, it's building the fear that this multiverse is might actually happen. So they <laughs> are taking great storylines from uh, the past, like uh, Nightfall. What if? Uh, what if? Um, all all the good stuff. No, not Nightfall. They did. Um, sorry, Death of Superman. What was the mm-hmm, last one? Mm-hmm. I'm spacing. Anyway, um, what if? You know, Lois Lane had taken over as Superman, as the Eradicator. And this particular issue is what if Blackest Night had ended with the heroes failing and Brightest Day never happened? Uh, Brightest Brightest Day started because at the end of Blackest Night, um, Sinestro figured out the key, the balance to the black rings with the white combining the spectrum and what he did was rather than harness the power all by himself and try to take all the glory which is what we would always think sinestro would actually do he he distributes the power which was one of the best parts about that because we never would think sinestro would actually do that and all the heroes get white rings and they overtake and you're not going to be kept in this endless loop. If you get killed, you get you all of a sudden become yourself, and then you die again because of the black power, and then you know become a black lantern again. You know, anchored to this evilness. We're coming to a place where, in this issue, where Sinestro tries to have all of the glory himself, and he fails miserably. And it is years later. Well, actually, not years later. That's completely wrong. Days later. And the only person who hasn't really truly been overtaken by a um, a black ring is Dove, uh, because of how she was gifted her powers of understanding of light and nature and universe and love. The rings simply are having a, a hard time uh, attaching to her. And the monkey wrench in this is that Lobo, who can regenerate at a at a mind's whim, you really can't kill Lobo is the main character in this. And he is ushering uh, Dove to the, the main source of the power, the, the, the guy that hired him to to bring her in. And Sinestro comes in, and he's, half of his body is overtaken by the white ring, and half of his body is overtaken by the black ring. And the balance is keeping him from dying and having some semblance of some sort of consciousness where he's still almost himself. Huh. And the actual person that is going to that's been gonna pay Lobo for this mission is Mr. Miracle. And they bring him to the end of the universe where the boundaries of the universe are the actual celestials, the the original 
like in in the Marvel universe, we're talking Celestials, and they, they you know they they do what they got to do, and they're still kind of around in some sort of fashion. But all the original beings, uh, imagine North mythology, if all of the original beings uh, were the very first entities that ever happened, and their corpses formed a somewhat of a a fort, uh, a boundary, a boundary line in between realities. And they're brought to the edge where they need Dove because of her light inside of her. And they're immediately accosted by Darkseid. And Lobo has to overtake everything. And it is, it, is a, it is a redemptive tale where Hal Jordan is brought alive just, just, just for a minute. And Sinestro actually apologizes, which is a big goddamn deal if you don't know anything about the Green Lantern. And Lobo overtakes, and it was very similar to what, what's happening in Silver Surfer Black, or well, what happened in Silver Surfer Black, where his idea of saving, uh, what's his planet again? Um, Zen Law? Zen Law. Uh, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm talking about Silver Surfer. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm thinking of Silver Surfer because it's, it's, it's similar. Oh, man, I couldn't where tell in you. Silver I've Surfer Black. Never... The, no, no, no! You're thinking his of idea Surfer. spreads out, and he's responsible. Yeah, for Zenla, a for sure. Like time cycle. Um, this one th- does a similar thing where different entities appear in this new multiverse. Yeah, and they are all in some way similar to Lobo, to their god that was imprinted in them, and it was a really great read because. It was a failure mm-hmm. mission, but what happened afterward, none of them could have ever contemplated as a uh, as a third party reading this, not involved. It was something that got my mind thinking in terms of, like, if I do good, will this, any choice end up being bad? And, but even then, but even then, if it's bad or that's a terrible order or negative, Will 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 the light eventually overtake? And that's exactly okay. what happened. That's exactly none none of these people, none of these people could have seen this coming, or, or even even if they'd been told that eventually eons Wild, later man. that their sacrifice would mean something, it's so far in the future that it probably wouldn't have mattered to them because they were so full of grief and in the state of mourning, and the the fact that that Sinestro would apologize to Hal. Like, that was... That was... That was ballsy. That was something that, like, you had to make sure every word, wow, every really? lyric, every uh, phrase in your prose was good to get to that point for you to believe it. And I believed it. It was great. Uh, would probably never happen, but only if this happened. And... I, I hope you guys uh, pick up. I uh, hope they put this all in one big trade, like they do X Men Black. Uh, th- like that. That's that's one of the things that like uh, I was thinking about this. It reminded me of X Men Black. And if you guys haven't read, um, pick up the trade paperback for that. Watching the 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 villains uh, fail or succeed in a mm. not really alternate, but a we're talking different ideas. So if you like these comics. Pick up X Men Black. You're gonna enjoy it. 
about X-Men Black? Cool, cool. Man, what did you just say? It's it's a it's nobody realizing how it's important a terrifying their notion. Actions are gonna that's what we're all afraid of. Is that nothing we ever do is gonna matter. And so that's this. We have man, the idea that what you're gonna um, do is gonna mean so much. Yeah, show us two midway. Okay, when this is a good segue into talking about midway if you want to go there. Well, give us a okay. I know so, a lot about Midway. I, I know a lot. I don't know what Midway. anybody knows. About you and I are very. You know, some uh, people probably same, do. Let me know if you know about uh, Midway. We're not interested huh? in the same things from okay. the Second Great War, but combined, it's 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 awesome. Uh, I I know quite a lot about Midway. Hell, uh, mm-hmm. hell, I. <clears throat> I'm gonna say okay. I've read I read one really awesome book about CV6 USS Enterprise. I read Gordon Prang's book about Midway. After I read his Pearl Harbor book, and I read uh, I read a book about the Battle of Midway, which was so packed with information that it was impossible to really suss out what was going on. And I watch loads of videos about the Midway Battle on YouTube. And uh, if I have a second, I'd love to figure out what the... Uh, there's one really great kid out there who is putting wonderful videos out about uh, World War II naval battles. Just spot-on stuff. Makes it completely real. So he's got one from the Japanese perspective, and it is fantastic. I think if you get on YouTube, Midway from the Japanese perspective will tell you a lot it's like when you take another language and you're suddenly like oh my god i didn't know we had prepositions oh now i understand how to use adjectives you know it's it's crazy uh so midway uh the in a nutshell midway is the most important naval battle in american history uh the japanese started world war their part in world war ii by um, they had invaded Manchuria in China. They had invaded Korea. They had invaded all kinds of places in China that was experiencing a civil war, so they were weakened. And they wanted to invade well, all of wasn't these this, wasn't European this entire mission holdings a, around the Pacific uh, and create the Japanese Greater a, East uh, Asian Co-Prosperity Sphere. Destruction? So, <clears throat> like, look over here, and we, we've... We, we, we've got we've got good intel that we need to take care of midway and their uh no part of it was part of it definitely as was. good as we they think they are and that we need okay cool right but uh but definitely talk about how uh you 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 could. Oh, i'll get to it i'll get to it so no I don't want to go into this for a half an hour, but I really want to, I will get to that, that point. This is just prefacing the situation. And that's part of the thing that the movie felt like it needed to do. If you've seen the Charleston Heston movie midway, it doesn't go into egregious detail about what was going on. This was a crazy because it, it shows you Pearl Harbor leading up to the battle of the Coral Sea leading up to uh, midway. And and it also goes into the the Doolittle raid, and it's like 
Does this all have, yes, it all that has is, something to do with oh, why God Midway damn. is so important. Oh, God because damn, that's such a big Of American morale. morale because yes, green of, pilots. God, you're, uh, you're, a bunch of green pilots. So, the, the Japanese were invading all over the Pacific, and then they started a war with the United States because they knew that Europe wouldn't be able to come back and take care of French Indochina or Hong Kong or Australia or any of the New Guinea, any of these places. And forgive me if I say something wrong, people, of course, but at a certain point, it's so much overload of information. I can't even keep up with it all. And uh, who controlled what in the world at the time? You know, the Philippines were gone from the U.S. because the Japanese took over after, you know, on, you know as fast as they could after Pearl Harbor. And... Um, so, you know, you have you have this whole awful situation where the Japanese are like, yeah, we're an amazing imperial power and we can absolutely kick anyone's asses. We've been fighting in Manchuria for forever and we won a war against the Russians, not, you know, in 1902. We, you know, we, we, we can we can kick some ass and we have up to date technology. We are very clever, very powerful. and We have a mindset and uh they were dangerous, but they were importing so much oil to keep up with them to maintain a modern navy. Now, if they had been invading these other countries and we were in the age of sail, they could have been even more dangerous because they could have only we would all only have been relying on wind power. But this was after this was also the the sunset on the day of the battleship. We all worldwide thought the battleship was the main line weapon. You were a great nation if you had battleships. And so, you know, Nazi Germany had Scharnhorst and Bismarck, and then Great Britain had all kinds of wonderful battleships. And the U.S. have all these different state-class battleships, and they're named after states. You know, Arizona, Oklahoma, Iowa, etc., Missouri, for crying out loud. They all and you know we all know yeah the Arizona sinks at Pearl Harbor. Well, okay, so what happens in this movie? It it sets this precedent up. You know what are we the day before? What are we? It's it's got this great little scene between our uh, intelligence God officer character sexy. and I'm not going to remember everybody's names. Uh, played by the actor who was uh, Lynch. The, uh, Lynch. In the he was Lynch. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he is awesome. Loved him in A-Team also. Uh, yeah, I love him in everything. That guy's in awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you've got an intelligence officer who completely understands Japan, clearly, and he's got this great little moment with uh, Admiral Yamamoto. And, Yama, and, and Yamamoto says, you know, yeah, we're importing all this oil, and I don't. nobody wants a war, but they basically have this conversation. Nobody wants a war, but if you guys squeeze us, I don't know what we're going to do. I know what we're going to do, but I, I, you know, I'm not supposed to say, what can I say? So the war begins and their ally, you know, this is where it is. The, um, nobody really wants this to happen because it's going to be terrible, but everybody's gearing up for it. And, uh, the U S is neutral. Well, Pearl Harbor happens and you've got this whole sequence. That's really quite good at Pearl Harbor. It's not the movie Pearl Harbor, but, it's pretty damned impressive. The special effects are excellent. The flying, all of the gunfire, the explosions, the it's all CG. 
and it's incredible. It's really, really good. You can tell that it's CG, but not so much that you that it takes you out of it. Because in the end, it's also kind of like, I don't know, there's something no, off about this. No, it's that the we're missing Heston. Like we're that. missing well, it's Heston. It's not really That's lit. the problem. The, car- the actors are lit. The backgrounds are lit, but it's not it's not terrible. So Pearl Harbor, and you got, huh. I don't, dude, I mean, yeah, but what it really boils down to is that his entire character is completely made up. And I didn't, it's a, it's a Midway movie 20 years after the fact in the 60s. So what are you going to do? It's the mids of Vietnam and you're going to stick a character in there who's having a love affair with a woman who is quantifiably the enemy. And it's like, how obvious is that? How 60s is that? So that's what I dig about this is that it doesn't take any of that kind of crap into the script it is just yeah maybe there's a little bit of glossiness over this that or the other maybe the protagonist the protagonist of the movie is pretty much uh richard best dick best is is he was he was known as dick best and uh he was a lieutenant and he was in charge of uh his squadron he became in charge of his squadron uh and then you've got uh wade mccluskey also these guys are on the Enterprise, and Enterprise is the one that, that just kept coming and coming and coming. It kept going and going. You could not defeat that ship. It'd get hit, and then it would be out of action, it would come back. Not as hardcore as the Yorktown, for that matter. But yeah, this is the craziness. How many carriers did the U.S. have? They had the Wasp, which was early, and so it was not well-tested, and it was not. it didn't have the shakedown, necessarily, that the rest of the carriers had. Um, because it was early in the production line. So they were like, yeah, this thing's a powder keg. We're going to send that to the European theater and do patrol missions in the Atlantic uh, because it might it might take one hit and sink or blow up. We don't know. So then you have the other Essex class. You've got Yorktown and uh, Hornet and Enterprise, all of them in Pacific. Well, that's three carriers versus like a six-carrier fleet of varying power from the Japanese who had a completely different mindset. So this is where I really want to get interesting. When you think about the kind of shit that we watch in sci-fi, where you've got like Star Trek, or you've got you've got Star Wars, and you've got all those... Di- this is the comparison. I'm going to go back a little bit farther. Star Trek, you've got a ship that operates out there by itself with a crew and some shuttlecraft and some transporters, and it does everything well. This is not that. The Americans are pushing their carriers around, and of course they have like a tender, and they've got destroyers and cruisers, and maybe they've got a battleship cruising around with them, and they're like, okay, we're a carrier fleet. Well, the Japanese were like, no, we are doing the Kido Batai. We are a, we are going to take everything. This is the carrier fleet. There are four carriers. We're going out there. We're going to use all of our planes, and this is what's we're, what we're going to do. And it, this was a very successful strategy. Instead of having one carrier fleet that was not working in tandem with the other carriers, the Kido Batai was going out there and crushing everything because it was concentrated air power. So then we're going to switch over and look at the concept behind Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars, when you watch Star Wars, you've got A-wings, B-wings, Y-wings, X-wings. Well, what do they do? Well, the Y-Wings are the bombers, and they're the ones who were supposed to destroy the Death Star. But only because Luke destroyed the Death Star with an X-Wing does it become that popularly famous. It's also a cooler-looking ship. 
but it's supposed to be a fighter. So it's supposed to be kind of like an F-15 Strike Eagle. Whereas right, like a Y wing is supposed bring to be maybe something like uh I don't know, like a like an A ten Warthog, you know, or the So that's what I'm saying is that the planes that these that these carriers used, you have torpedo planes, you have uh bomber planes, and you have fighter planes. The fighters just go up and try to shoot down other fight other other planes. To try to keep you from getting close enough to deploy your weapon. Well, then you've got torpedo planes, which are supposed to fire torpedoes and knock out ships. And those are armor-piercing weapons. The thing about it was that American torpedoes were miserable. They would fire, they would hit their target, and bounce off or break up. They would rarely detonate. So this was a major flaw in the American military stratagem. Well, then you have bombers. Well, they fly over to a certain point and they would dive and then they would bomb the bomb a th- bomb a ship. They have five hundred or a thousand pound bombs, and that's depending on the payload that they're they're bringing in. So the thing about it is, I know, I know, uh, somebody else. So then you you think about it. This isn't like Top Gun. This isn't like Iron Eagle, where there's all these bullets to shoot and all these different types of missiles for on rockets and bombs for all these different types of things you're attacking. You're flying in a plane that is a second, a seven second burst of gunfire. That's how much ammunition you can carry. You're flying in a plane that has one opportunity to hit your target and a colossal amount of statistics that go into actually being able to deploy this weapon and successfully hit is as crazy as thinking about how much it takes to get one appropriate healthy sperm and fertilize that egg there is it is it is incredible the 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 so what i'm saying is that's the setup the movie puts this all together for us it shows us the bomber pilots. It shows us their mission. It shows us the torpedo pilots. It shows us their mission. The Japanese attack Pearl Harbor, and they're just shooting everything up, and they're bombing everything. But they're bombing the 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 main main line, the battleships. They they didn't get the carriers. Well, this was a carrier war, and nobody really understood that yet. But the carriers deliver their fighter their pilots and their weapons to the enemy. And now you're like, oh my god, we don't have these battleships anymore. Yeah, but they didn't get rid of our oil. They didn't get rid of our dry docks. They attacked all they the did ships. Was, all they did was if they had blown up these things, we would off. be a year out of action rebuilding that. And it now we just, don't. So just, you've got the carriers. Uh, uh, no longer. And, exactly. And, and, exactly. And it, it, it set it, it a just, fire it, it under the U.S. Like, to it, just it, go it, like, no, you, we're not neutral any longer. You have to watch the original way. You also have to watch Tor Tor Tora. You have to watch Tor Tor Tor. You absolutely have to watch all of that. You have to read all of the newspaper banners because in order to it's understand this... It's worth it. It's worth it. Tor 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 is the perfect No. Movie. No. No. You know what? You don't. That's what I like about this movie. You should watch okay, those gotcha. movies. Gotcha. You don't have to because the point of the strategy, the point of the story is illustrated in this... In merely in one or two sentences from this character will say a sentence and it'll be like, this is why the war is going to be fought because you're going to squeeze us for oil. 
this is why we're going to win because we have a pilot that's this good because our pilots can be this good. We're going to lose because we have awoken the sleeping giant. We're going to, we're going to, uh, you know, are you afraid? Yeah, I'm afraid, but you know, anything could happen to us. I got to say, uh, that Nick Jonas is in it and he was great. He was awesome in his role. He was a, he was a gunner on a, on a uh, torpedo plane and uh, he was a rear gunner. So he'd be shooting at the zeros who were coming in after him. And oh my God, I mean, like I'm thinking about what these guys did in this time period with how old they were. And we cannot compare to that now, but how could we, are we facing anything this dire? You know, midway, why is the midway battle so important? Because this is where we sank the main line of Japanese carriers. And they were on the offensive through the entire war. Don't even think that we weren't involved until 1941. We were watching it. So you get into this whole business of it. Okay, it's 1939 and the war is going on. They're out there messing stuff up fierce. And then we come into this battle in June of 1942. And we're like, okay, we're taking a major risk setting a trap for them. But why? Because of code breaking. We had the intelligence and we baited them with a couple of little things. We don't know what the target is. Is it going to be, are they staying in the Coral Sea, cutting off our lifeline to saving Australia? Or are we, or are they going for Midway? And uh, several people in intelligence at, uh, at a hypo base in, on Oahu were like, it's got to be Midway and this is why. So when you watch the movie, you will it will be explained to you. And that's why I'm saying you don't have to watch all of that other stuff. I'm not saying you shouldn't. Because if you like this movie, you should watch those movies. You should read something about this to get even more detail. The point being, like, we that's one of the lines in the movie. How can we operate on just these statistics? You can't. But you can operate on the analysis of the statistics. If we only have a quarter of the information, we can still try something. What did they do? They baited the Japanese. They put out an, uh, a radio call that said, um, we think that there's a problem with our fresh water tanks on Midway. And then the Japanese had kept talking about a target called AF. And then they were like, yeah, there's a water problem on AF. And they were like, Midway. Midway is the target. Get Enterprise out of the Coral Sea get them up there and it's fun because they tricked naval command into how to get the enterprise there because they needed three carriers and for the first time the u.s forces were like we're going to go in with all of our carriers that we have at the same time so it was hornet yorktown and enterprise but what's even more staggering is that yorktown had been bombed in the flight deck at coral sea and was effed up and they were like we need like six weeks to get this, even just the deck plating fixed. And they were like, you got 72 hours and this, this better be out there. And they freaking did it. And that is American ingenuity. That is American grit to get that to happen. Just this, it's just the incredible amount of, of, there's just so many things that go into how awesome we put this together to make this happen 
And then I find that, myself crying that is, watching the that Japanese lose because, because they are treated uh, so well is, in this movie. Well, you, because you everybody is treated so well in this story. In and that, schools now. Because the, you, 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 simply, you simply can't have a movie where they're using the word Japs. And, um... Oh, well, wow. even then... Yeah, they still threw one in there, if I oh, recall. That's a whole other... But I'll tell you what the craziest thing about this movie is how much financing by yeah, Chinese of companies. Gonna, of course went they're going to Like when you watch the opening credits it's like all it's like Japanese half Chinese blues. companies, half American and, and, companies you've yeah, never that, heard of and then it's distributed by Lionsgate. Well, well, you know, they went to a good point to say in a couple of places how poorly treated the Chinese were by the by the Japanese. I gotta say, I can't. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna see this again in theaters, and I'm. I'm. I'm definitely gonna own this. I'm gonna buy this. I'm gonna watch this. No, oh, that sucks. That sucks. Stuff. This is. A, oh, it is a moving sucked. movie that only lacks an incredible soundtrack score. Everything else, it's just great. It really does. It's a little. It's a little. A little milk toast. Uh, but in the moment when because okay, the reason I bring up Dick Best, who who because. He goes into the Battle of Midway immediately wounded, um, and he survives the whole thing. He he places a bomb on a Japanese carrier and then manages to place another bomb on another Japanese character. No one has ever done that. Been a part what of a kick ass two name. carriers. What in a the kick same ass day. name. And like Wade McCluskey, he oh my god. I mean, just these I know. Oh, don't even forget Killer Kane. I mean, there are stories that this movie cannot contain. It's not good enough to have a movie about Midway. I want a movie about the Enterprise crew, the commanders, the pilots, the deckhands. I want a I want a a TV series of the Enterprise at war and that's not just because I'm a Star Trek fan. It's because the reason why the Enterprise is the Enterprise on Star Trek is because the Enterprise CV-6, Carrier Vessel 6, not CVN-6, not CVN-65, sorry, not CVN-6, It was there was no CVN-6, CVN-65, it's because the Enterprise survived it all, and because it's what Riker says in Star Trek The Next Generation, God protects fools, little children, and ships named Enterprise, and God bless us all. Because we could be living in a completely different world. I don't think the Japanese ever would have completely won World War II. We could have come to some kind of a an agreed, horrendous, negotiated peace, or uh, or we would have it would have dragged on for another ten years, and we would have had a peacetime, a horrendous peace movement on the home front, uh, like we would have had in Vietnam, and that would have been terrible. Imagine what Vietnam would have turned into. What would the next of conflicts have been? It could have been a whole different world. I think that's the thing that gets me, and I'm coming to a closure on this, everybody. The thing that gets me about reading about the Pacific Carrier War, not to, not to denigrate anybody else's contribution to World War II, is, uh, is that the opportunity for success and failure was higher by de degrees that you can't understand without going into it 
And what it really comes down to is the mere fact that if you weren't a top-notch pilot with absolutely had your head together, you could have flown off by one degree and never seen a place to land again. <coughs> Let alone actually deploy successfully your weapon and and do and and win. It's just incredible. See this movie, everybody. I think it's totally worth it. It's not only is it just fun, it is a cohesive story that will teach you something, whether you get it or not. Because multiple viewings, you're gonna get every piece of it. And I just I really no, uh, just, I'm very uh, proud that this movie uh, has come out. Anyway, sorry, I don't want to go on so crazy here, about it, but uh, carry on. Go folks. On, on the comics that I'm gonna that I'm going to suggest you don't buy. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, Star Wars, number 74. <laughs> yeah, don't waste your time with this crap. Event Leviathan was the... Ouch! I didn't even get to read that. That's the that hardest thing I've heard in a while, to not want to read a Star Wars story. comic. Uh, Hit Girl. Number ten. Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. She she's in India, and the artwork is drawn by someone that has the same oh, standards yeah. as a Bollywood producer. It's terrible, and it does not flow. Oh god, it was terrible. It was so bad. It it, it was so ugly to look at. Um, I don't get that one. Uh, New Mutants. That's too bad. Good. Decent. It's nice seeing Cypher back in action before they kill him off in that movie again. <laughs> uh, Dead Eyes, number two. Uh, keep up with anything Duggan writes. Uh, definitely something I would say more single issue because they're special. But uh -huh. I definitely want to go into the last two comics uh, just to touch briefly on them because there's not too much to say about them. Uh, Batman number 82, City of Bane. So we end up on the quote-unquote final battle where Batman mm -hmm. and Selina Kyle, Catwoman, uh, entice Bane into a one-on-one -on -one fight. And let's do this. No venom. Bane rips his, his cords out. Let's do this together. Uh, they all take their armor off. They, they go one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, Catwoman gets thrown into a wall and her neck breaks. Batman cheats oh, yeah. in the fight with 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 yeah with Ultra Venom or whatever they want to call it, and uh, thinking it's going to oh uh, no really his system, but he was not ready for Bane actually his will to live and will to succeed and win a fight overcomes and Batman's about to lift him up and break his back and uh, his father Thomas. <laughs> intercedes and puts a bullet in Bane's head, supposedly killing him, putting a bullet in his boy. And it was... I think it took three minutes to read this comic. It was shorter than a damn Walking Dead comic book, man. It, it was... But the artwork was phenomenal. We're... I, I, I love Bane's lucha mask. <laughs> uh, the, the tubes are a little bit bigger than I'm used to. Seeing his face so uh, prevalent definitely not used to that uh how big he is and thomas wayne uh betraying his quote-unquote master as it's the city of bane ventriloquist is his 
little lackey, and it just read too fast. Um, it read too fast. Uh, it was great action, though. Great action, great art. Gotta pull up. That's too bad. Credits. It was just. It was just too fast. Uh, Tom King writer, Mikhail uh, Janine artist, Jordi Belair colors, Clayton Cowles letters, David Finch and Alex Sinclair cover. It just it just pulled off too fast, and it didn't have. If you're going to have anything in the semblance of Nightfall, every every single one of these issues read too fast. Uh, if you read Nightfall, it's going to take you a month to read it to actually absorb it. You can read each one of these issues mm-hmm. that are building up uh, the city of Bane as uh, Year of the Villains going on. It just it it it's kind of disjointed that they're trying to do such a big story in Batman while they're doing an even bigger story that is encapsulating the entire DC universe. Uh, it's hard to take any of this serious like it's actually happening, and uh, it just reads too fast. Uh, it just reads way too fast. Like uh, if you if you go back to read Nightfall, it's completely dense and character development all of it's there but not in these ones just uh basically catwoman and and uh bruce had a long vacation before they showed up and snuck back into gotham and now they're there to kick some a and uh even though bane's got a bullet in his head i still feel it was very anticlimactic it was just just didn't follow it was just too fast uh luckily though the artwork saves it but you know how much can the artwork really do if the writer isn't really pulling it off and then amazing spider-man number 33 this one was interesting because we're seeing oh what oh no this is definitely one to buy we're, we're this we're is a not buy anymore. right This is one not to buy, is that right? Thank you so much. Miguel is transplaced through time. He's fighting his way through two different time frames um, of (laughs) Super Hulk and being in actual Times Square in our time. And he keeps getting disjointed. And at the same time, what's going on is that Parker has been going back to school and one of his buddies has one of the few things that still works from the... uh, Parker Tech, and has figured out a crystal ball into the future that can analyze algorithms, and Parker comes in late and says, hey, he's late. I told you he'd be late. Uh, you and the you and the crowd, open, uh, look at your envelope or, or that I put in your chair. Oh, Parker comes in, and he says this. Oh, he said, just said that. And then you over there, uh, look under your seat, read that one. And it just transcribes what's going on uh parker just finished a battle with silver sable she's dying um her country thinks that she's alive and well but she's actually using a yeah and they're about to go to war against doom and that's it's it, him destroying the <coughs> simcaria right that's her country simcaria clone not clone uh just the android that she's mm. piloting with her brain that she's dying, uh, it's revealed that, you know, on TV that Parker destroyed it and Spider-Man and this guy can figure out the future. And that is what is 
screwing with the timeline right now because the advent of this technology is bringing in oh, like guys I know that there are certain things that you might look back on in terms of that you know of but didn't read it because you thought it was maybe hokey or in some sort of way outdated or something that didn't matter but 2099 is absolutely something that you absolutely have to pay attention to doom punisher x-men yeah. spider-man uh all of it. it it's all important and they're bringing it full circle and having a lot of good fun with it and oh pay absolutely attention. go to your comic stores before uh these comics increase by three or four dollars each and and uh you know get the single issues all of them all the original 29 issues always had these great foil covers I remember the x-men had this great gold cover <laughs> and, uh the doom cover oh doom 29 mm. But we're getting we're getting a taste of. Ooh, I don't remember, man. You were more schooled than that than me. Yeah. But uh, wait, was that the Warren Ellis or was that later? Jumping I think off Warren Ellis started after like issue twenty seven or something. You got turned off any of the last stories, and you love twenty nine. Just hop on, have some fun. And I gotta tell you, the writers and the creators, because I gotta make sure that they get there. They get their say so because they're the ones that did it and they're the best. And I applaud them. Uh, we're uh, Matthew Wilson, <laughs> colorist, DC's Joe Caramanga, letter, Nick Spencer, writer, Patrick Leeson, artist, Patrick Leeson, and Matthew Wilson, cover artist. Just pick it up, have some fun. Worth your $3.99. Guys, uh, we were in a little bit of a time crunch. Uh, both of us fell asleep accidentally because of how crazy our weekend was in the middle of watching Watchmen yesterday. And uh, we'll we'll get you caught up on uh, why they're important uh, next Wednesday for uh, last episode. Oh, yeah. And one on Sunday. We keep up because we just love that Rick Jenny King. Well, at least I do. <laughs> I uh I'm not that's the crazy thing about watching the uh the original the Watchmen movie is just yep how I gotta say I mean you know so, been, I'm still in love with Soap Spectre like, like Sally Jupiter like two childhood crushes in this both Gene both Smart, of those actresses are just oh incredible and then yeah <laughs> There's nothing about this show that's over the top sexy or anything. There's constant bad language. There's constant like weird gore, weird gore, and then uh, unnerving little things that you would never expect to see, especially when it comes to uh, Adrian Veidt. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I can't wait to watch this new episode. I saw I caught the last part of it tonight, and it's the heavy Tim Blake Nelson episode. Uh, so I feel like I know what was going on, but, um, I really want to go on that ride really a lot. I want to go on that ride, but, uh, yeah, I didn't like it. It was definitely a tweener episode, but it's true or lady. I didn't mind it. Um, I guess I just don't like characters. That is, that that is, that is Miss Jean smart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nevertheless, uh, yeah, did you notice uh, in the Jean last Smart, episode, the one that wasn't uh, last night, uh, that she is she just really pretended that, that she didn't hear these guys talking in Korean? Like 
she was she was so nonchalant about it. Vietnamese, it, it, it was it was way too nonchalant that she wasn't listening and that she doesn't know uh, Vietnamese. Vietnamese. And, 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 Vietnamese. Oh, so your car just fell out of the sky? Well, okay, you take care of this now. Hope you got insurance. Uh, that was that was just more foreplay. Like she knows what's going on. Like that woman is too hard hitting, way too hard hitting. Uh, there's no way yeah. she didn't know what they were saying. But we'll we'll catch up uh, next Wednesday. Uh, guys, this has been an amazing episode and good little points. Yeah, yeah there's better things than this. No doubt. It's nice to have my wits about me brother. for once. I love you. <laughs> we'll kick some ass. Yeah, yeah. We, we... <laughs> It's better things than being that tired. <laughs> yeah, this is a good week for me to be able to be able to look at content and stuff like that for uh yeah go, go, go to work early this transmission, as as this, roll into this transmission serious, is ending like nighttime work oh it'd just be rough but yeah <laughs> yeah things moving what they are yeah th- <laughs> oh oh it's no radio head yeah i'm trying to think of a, a an apropos like Radiohead. I don't bring any Nine Inch Nails into this. I can't come up with one. <laughs> hey, nevertheless, nevertheless, I just feel like they've got a good, a good lot night. of nice like see you later and goodbye songs. All right, I'm gonna do one for uh, from from one so long and good night. Okay. <laughs>